Big Fluffy. So you're kissing Heather, right? Focus on her. She's number one. You don't let her forget that. But you also don't want the other girl. What's the other girl's name? Jill. Jill. You don't want Jill to feel left out. Of course. All right? So you're going to do one of these guys. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Now, let's say things are heating up, clothes start coming off. We're fucking. Right. Obviously, you got one cock, so you can't do them both at the same time, right? Right. We want to try and get as close as possible. How? You stack them. Yeah, man, like lawn chairs, one on top of the other. Like lawn chairs? Think about it. Visualize it. it works. Oh, okay. Oh, hey. Don't forget. Wear a condom. Right. But then rip that thing off, hose down those lawn chairs. Sure. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm a couple of lawn chairs. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. Uh, and it is February, and normally we look at romance movies in the month of February, but this month we're looking at bromance movies. Yep. And we got this first one, which was at some point titled Bad Bromance, but they settled on releasing it as The D-Train. Yep. I love you. <laughs> I, love, I, I love you so much. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a bold uh, strategy on your part to expect me to say the title of the movie. Which was, in case people missed it, what was it again? Oh, in case you missed it, it was the D-Train. <laughs> oh, that, that, you don't know how happy that made me. <laughs> that, that, that just made me smile, and I loved it. Well, here, if you want, if you want some inside baseball on the podcast to ensure that I got what I wanted, what I searched for was "choo choo" sound effect <laughs> because I thought if I wrote "train," I was you like get a real train sound. Yeah, but no, you I don't want that. I, I don't want that. I want a choo choo sound. <laughs> that was that was. I mean. <laughs> That was the onomatopoeia choo-choo that we heard there, yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, it delighted me. It was the first one I got when oh, I typed it in. first thought, and, best thought. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Um, oh, that 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 made this whole episode worthwhile, that we, well, could, we could call yeah. it right here. All right, there's their silver lining. So we'll, we'll right, be back next week. I got week. to hear the choo-choo noise. <laughs> All right, but, you know, since we do have a little bit more time to kill, why a not? A couple minutes. Yeah. So since you started here, let's start here. Both titles are terrible for this movie. Bad Bromance and The D-Train? Yeah, yeah, neither is the right title for this film. Yeah, I don't... Ooh, what is the right title for this film? I, I don't know. It's probably something closer to, like, something that has, like, you know, cla class of 94 or whatever they were. You know, something... Yeah. Something that, like, talks about the reunion or... Because it's definitely the reunion is central to the plot of this movie. Right. And I, yeah, something about the school or like, I, just because it's like, I, I don't even know that it matters that much, but I will say, I mean, bad bromance is why we ended up doing it for this month, but neither of us had seen it when we scheduled it. And I kind of feel like, I don't even know how much of a 
bromance movie this really is. It it feels well, like it's the some bromance montage in like the first right towards sort of the end of the I guess those are the first act is sort of the bromance of this movie. Right. But it takes a, a very different turn. And then two thirds of the movie are a very different movie, which we'll talk about more. But yeah, I feel like bad bromance is is misleading. And then the D train makes it sound uh, sorry. Makes it sound like uh, it's a much wackier, like the clip I played at the beginning. If this is your whole introduction, if you heard that clip at the beginning and it's called the D train, everything's making sense to you until we get into the rest of this movie. That is not right. really matching of that. Peaked in high school. Is that the name of the movie? That's not bad either. Yeah. Or like, um, um, yeah, like, um. You know, most popular kid in high school. So not that's not a good title, but you know something that's like evokes that because he he does say that that he peaked in eleventh grade. James yeah. Marsden's character. Um, yeah, but I, I would agree that other than Jack Black's like closing monologue where he signs off as the D train, uh, is the only reason that that makes sense. And they're sort of like, uh, like an I don't know, like it almost like a G or an F plot. Of him trying to make nicknames stick. But it also, yeah, it, it feels like that's really heavy in the beginning and then at the end. But most of the movie kind of drops that concept. Yeah, they sort of half forget about it. Yeah. But, okay, so that's, to, now that we've addressed that, to to properly set up the movie, Jack Black plays uh th- this titular character. What is his actual name? It starts with... Daniel Landman. Yeah, Daniel Landman. And he is working on his high school reunion committee. They're, they're planning their big 20 year uh, reunion, 20 year reunion. And they're having trouble getting people to attend probably because, uh, you know, it's the era of Facebook and I, it, reunions definitely died. I had that. We, I, I don't even know if my school, I don't think we had a 20 year reunion, but I didn't go if we did. My, uh, I went to my 10 year reunion, did not, my, my school did have a 20 year and I did not attend. Yeah. So, yeah, like um, it. I also got off Facebook, so they I might be harder to find now. So maybe they had it and they just didn't. I didn't hear about it. Which I'm I'm winning, baby. But uh, anyway, I I do understand that that that's kind of the concept. It's hard to people don't really want to go. But then he has this epiphany because he realizes that James Marsden's character, who went to their school and was the most popular kid at their school is out in L.A., and he is currently starring in a banana boat sunscreen commercial. That Let me like, just say, great product. Yeah. Banana boat. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we love a banana boat here. I would, I'll, I'll, I'll go banana boat sport as my sunscreen of choice, as someone who spends a lot of time outdoors and is incredibly borderline Victorian era pale. Yeah, no, I and I... I look, if they want to sponsor us, I'd love it, because I live in Los Angeles, and... I, I'm pretty diligent about sunscreen these days, you know, because I am also very pale and very Irish. And yeah. So, yeah, like. So, Banana Boat, holler at your boys. Yeah, hit us up. We'll we'll be your James Marsdens. Yeah, I will. I, I can out James Marsden, James Marsden, if it's about chilling for Banana Boat. Yeah, totally. He seemed like he didn't like that. he That was his claim to fame in this movie. But his we, character did not seem happy about it. That's true. No. But yeah, so he's an actor and it's. I think it's perfect. I will say I love this setup because he's not famous, 
in any way. He's not really making it in Hollywood to a big degree. He's he's gotten a paycheck that he's going to be able to coast off of for a while until he books his next thing. But he's not he's struggling. He's a working actor who's trying to string together enough money to make it in a very expensive city. But if you're from Pittsburgh, if you're from his hometown, it seems huge to you. Like, I remember when I was a kid, my buddy had his uncle was in the movie The Rocketeer. And he said, hey, look, it's The Rocketeer. And that's his entire part of the movie. And I met him. And I was like, holy shit, that's the guy from the movie that says that The Rocketeer's there. The Rocketeer. I know that part. That's a very famous scene in that movie. Yeah, it's uh, this guy Scanlon that, uh, yeah, is my my friend Danny Gardner's uh, uncle. That's he. That was him. So I met him when I was a kid, and I was very excited. But but that's you know what I mean. That stuff when you're completely removed. Now I live in L.A. and it's a weird thing where you know you're out and about, and it's just like. You know, I, Mel Gibson is eating lunch at a, you know, Cafe Gratitude as you walk by, which is a real thing. that Like, you see celebrities all the time that are, like, these weird... And you're, you're like, oh, shit, it's Mel Gibson. Let me walk the other way. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what I would do. Yeah. But I think it's perfect for this movie. That kind of, like, he would be a big deal. Yeah, it would seem school. like a bigger deal that he's in a national ad campaign. And I think one of the things that most people don't understand about Hollywood is that, like, he didn't make a lot of money off of that. No, no. I mean, I have a friend who lives out here who has done national commercials like he's done Dr. Pepper commercials and stuff. And it, it is like he's still, you know, is working a day job like he doesn't. Right. You know, it's not like he's set for life by any means. Maybe if you're flow. You know, from Progressive, like she might be set for life. Yeah. But. Uh, I think at this point, she is the most famous alum of my alma mater, Binghamton University. See, there you go. And uh, like, yeah, Paul Reiser hasn't done much in the last 20 years. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gave how long are you going to keep clinging to mad about you, Paul? Yeah, we get it. You were in Aliens. Yeah. So we're a lot of people. Yeah. So we're. <laughs> So with Bill Paxton. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. Exactly. So does that, you know, it's funny. The, I think the most famous person to go to my high school was, uh, uh, Christina Milian. That, yeah. And if you don't know who she is, you're either too young or too old. Right. But, uh, she, we definitely could do the, one of the movies that I know she was in the house bunny. On this podcast, we definitely could. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, so that's kind of the setup. And then uh, Jack Black's character, he he gets fixated on this idea of having this guy go to the reunion. So then he has a very cockamamie plan. Just sets up an unnecessary web of lies to go out to LA to try to woo him for unclear reasons, which I think is. One of my biggest problems with this movie is that it it has that kind of feel to it of like, well, why is he doing these things? And it's like, well, to make the plot happen, you know, like it, it feels contrived that he is both lying to his boss and his wife about claiming that it's a business trip and he's getting his boss 
who's played by Jeffrey Tambor, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, who to he gets his boss to pay for the trip under the guise of like inventing. Well, he doesn't invent. He finds an actual guy who he is not communicating with and claims that this guy wants to do a merger with their company and it make a deal. Yeah. Make a deal. And like has fake emails that he sends himself that he pretends are from the guy because his boss doesn't really know how computers work. And right. then his boss wants to go with him to LA to help close the deal. But it's all of this is like his literally his boss brings up once it all comes crashing down at the end. Why couldn't you have just gone by yourself? Like on a trip, you know, like on a vacation, just go for the weekend and meet up with it's the guy. a couple of days. Yeah. And then he was like, well, I didn't want my wife to know, which again, I'm not sure why he didn't want his wife to know. And then he even says, well, then still, you could have just told her Lied. it was a business trip. <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, the one other thing I want to touch on before we get too deep into the plot is I'm pretty sure that no high school reunion in the history of the world post 2002 had people phone banking to try to call people to attend. No, that is just not a thing. That is weird. Yeah. I don't know if like the people who wrote it were older, you know, like if they were, trying, but yeah, there's no reason. Yeah. Once Facebook and Facebook is in the movie, it's integrated into the plot. But like once Facebook existed, Nobody's calling anyone on the phone to ask them to come to the reunion. No. And they're certainly not getting together on like a weeknight to phone bank to call people for the reunion. Like, that's just not a thing. No, you're sending emails and Facebook invites like a sane right. person. You're, you're making an evite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so there is that and that is ridiculous. But yeah, so he he goes to L.A. He hits up James Marsden and... Well, I guess well, there's a lot to unpack, but just to finish, I guess, setting up the plot, then he does get him to agree to go to the reunion, which does make sense for all the reasons we were talking about now of like, this guy isn't doing super well in Hollywood, but Jack Black kind of makes him feel like he's a big deal. He's a big deal. And he seems like he needs that at this point in his life. And so I found that credible that he would yes. go. And then essentially the rest of the movie is Jack Black blowing up his life in seemingly irreparable ways while uh, still trying to kind of wrap everything up neatly at the end. Yeah. And just like so this movie in a lot of its promotional material is pitched as a black comedy. I don't think it is. No, there are comedic moments and they're are things that really did make me laugh out loud, probably most particularly. So that scene was Marsden uh, giving sex advice to Jack Black's kid? Yeah, and I, I would even say that, like, it's of all the genres, I would probably put this movie in. Comedy is probably the the neatest cubby for it to fit in. But it's yeah, I don't even know that comedy like it to me. It is more of it's closer to a drama, I think. Well, I mean, in a world where the bear won best comedy at the Emmys. Don't. Why? Why would you? Why would you bring that up to me? Because I think it's funny how much you hate the show. I haven't watched it. Well, it's, it's not even that. Yes, obviously, I don't like that show. But also, Better Call Saul never won a single Emmy. The Wire never won, like, won a single yeah, Emmy. Like travesties em both. The Emmys have the worst track record of it. I take them the least seriously of any award show. 
Uh, I might go Golden Globes, then Emmys. Yeah, I mean, I don't take the Golden Globes seriously either, but I did watch them this year because they're at least a fun train wreck. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody takes the Grammys seriously either. No, but they at least... It's like when Taylor Swift wins all the Grammys, you're like, well, that tracks. Or like Beyonce, you're like, well, yeah, of course. Or like Steely Dan. Yeah, well, the greatest <laughs> rock band to ever exist. I mean, yeah, they exactly. always do have weird stuff that they give it to. But like, I don't know, the Grammys are not great either, but they at least tend to swing for really popular things. Yeah, I mean, sure. No, the Emmys... Um... And I feel like the Emmys more than any other award show, like when they get it right, everyone's like, look, deserving, deserving art, getting deserving rewards. And then, yeah, they just ignore all the times that Modern Family wins like eight best comedies in a row. Was look, I Lars and I once discussed this on Hobo Radio, and it might have even been his idea, I think. But I, I think we did come up with the solution, which is. Once somebody wins they, for a show, they shouldn't be able to win for that show again. Like once Jeremy Allen White, if you want to give him an Emmy for playing, he plays the bear, I assume. That's his sure. character, right? He plays uh, Barry McBearson, uh, the uh, cooking bear. <laughs> it's, I assume it's like Ratatouille. But, Barry Berenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But most people remember it as Berenstain, but there's a whole, you know, that's a whole Mandela thing. Right. But... Once he gets an Emmy for playing that character, he can't win for playing that character anymore. It's like, you did it. You go on a different show, play a different character, then you can win again. But you don't I'm need to agree with that, that. Yeah, you don't need five Emmys for playing the same character. And the thing, well, you have to save the Emmys from themselves because once they decide someone deserves an Emmy, they will give it to that person every year that show's on. Right, because it's like the Tonys, which I feel might be the award show that gets it right the most, maybe. I would probably agree with that. Yeah. Um, but like. Uh, Book of Mormon has been running for a, a decade now. It won Tonys the first year and then it's not eligible anymore. Right. Like that's. Yeah, because. Yeah, it's we can just assume like, yeah, man, Kelsey Grammer is a great Fraser Crane and we awarded him for doing that. Like. That's that's his award for playing Fraser Crane. I'd even right, give him an ex I'd even give him an exception that he can have it for Cheers and Fraser. Sure, but not multiple ones for Fraser. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the way to fix the Emmys, which is what we're here to do this week, right? I think so. That's my understanding. No, no, Anyways, no. the I know we're no we're, we're riding the D train. <laughs> Yay. I knew we were both going to reset that. So that's what I love about the professionalism <laughs> um, of this show. We both knew it was time. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So Jack Black goes out and woos him in L.A. They end up having sex. Yeah. Which I do want to I don't want to gloss over that because I will say that up until that point, I was kind of like, yeah, OK, I see what this movie is. Sure. I get what we're doing. And I. Again, it's the movie the trailer sold. It's a movie that felt very much at home on this podcast of like, yeah, of course we're talking about this. It's a not very good, bad bromance movie or whatever. But then when they had sex, that is the moment that I was like, oh, OK, I didn't expect that. And they're now doing something. They're, they're taking a stab. They're exactly. taking a swing. <laughs> stab, so to speak. Uh, but now we're doing something different and i i did perk up when that happened of like okay yeah you did well yeah yeah well sure <laughs> i mean look if this movie gets one thing right it's that all men 
you might not think you would, but when when given the chance, you might have sex with James Marsden. You, you can't say, you can't immediately say you wouldn't. Yeah, until you're there, you're not sure. You know. Um, but yeah, I I will say that like I appreciate the movie for taking the swing in that instance and like doing that, but then I don't know. It just it doesn't drive the rest of the movie the way I feel like it should have. Yeah, it. It doesn't. It doesn't. There are times when it, it really factors in. And I think in the end, it kind of plays out like so. OK, I guess the my biggest thing with it is, again, I liked it as a choice and I really liked it as a choice that it was played as like. This seems like a thing that James Marsden is not a big deal for him. It, it's it's sort of his, you know, Raul Julia street fighter. For me, it was a Tuesday kind of moment right. of like. I don't know. We were doing coke and partying, and in the moment, I just decided to bang you. Sure, whatever. You know, hedonistic. Right, he established that he was uh, bisexual in their early meetup, right? And it's sort of just this like hedonistic LA lifestyle he's got going, and it's like this guy really adores me. I feel low. I think he'd do it. Sure, let's do it. You know, and, and like it might have been a power play. Look, yeah, let me see if I can bang this dude I went to high school with. Right. Because he seems like he really loves me. He came here to tell me how much he loves me and how much he wants me to come to the reunion. Right. So sure. But uh, he is by all accounts not gay in any way. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's also it's very clearly established that Jack Black is married to essentially like his high school sweetheart. And they've been together yes. for this whole time. Played by a criminally underused Catherine Hahn. Oh, yeah. We're, we'll get to that because... <laughs> You want to talk about the biggest maligning of this movie, and it's it's up there with, you know, there's something about February, and we do these movies. Was it? It was one of the McConaughey ones. Yeah, it was. Uh, How to lose a guy in ten days. What's it's like? Look, I we already established the thing about James Marsden, so I just need this to be clear to everyone. Catherine Hahn is not your wet blanket bummer no. of a wife. Catherine Hahn is hot and she like, is hilarious is hilarious and she's a catch like you're lucky to be married to Catherine Hahn yeah um I also want to point out I think you can forgive how to lose a guy in 10 days because Catherine Hahn had not yet really established herself true yeah but this movie is post stepbrothers right which stepbrothers did at least tap into uh, obviously her comedic potential and just like let her be very sexual and just very clear in like yeah. what she wanted to do to John C. Riley. And so God bless it because yeah, like she deserves better. Catherine Hahn deserves the world and we're constantly failing her movies. Yeah. Damn you movies. Yeah. Get it right. But yeah, uh, Step Brothers is one of the better ones, I think. Also, the show Miss Fletcher was awesome. Like, that yeah. at least used her well. But, okay. I said we were going to put a pin in that, but then I... We, no, so we, we need to yeah. go right into it at that point. But yeah, so I it did sincerely bum me out that she's just there to be his wet blanket wife. And, and yeah. very one note. I do think that she is a great actor. So I think once she found out that the two of them had had sex, I thought she did some great acting and how she was upset and like played yeah. it, but it's just no, no reason to subject her to that. No, none, none whatsoever. She could have been played by a VHS copy of Adrian from <laughs> the original Rocky. 
Yeah. She could have been. It, you didn't need to put Catherine Hahn in that role in that movie. Like, you could have just had the uh, casting assistant reading lines, and it would have been about the equivalent of what she had to work with. Honestly, why not just get Kyle Gass in a wig? And then he's so upset. <laughs> Jack Black had gay sex. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's clearly Kyle Gass in a wig. See? This is already a better movie. I'm here for it. Yeah. 100%. But, yeah, I'm all in. But yeah, okay. So I I think after the the they have sex, then that's the thing. They have sex in LA and Marsden agrees to go to the reunion, but then Jack Black starts freaking out because the other thing that happens in LA too is that because his boss tagged along for this meeting that he made up, he doesn't have a he doesn't know what to do, so Marsden actually pretends to be the guy, the guy. from the company. And then I did really like this moment, too, that he's there to kind of let Jeffrey Tambor down gently of like, oh, I'm going to have to back out of the deal. But because he's an actor, he agrees to the deal because he's like, I just think, you it know, felt right it, in the moment, it felt right in the moment. And look how happy he is. Like it's that worked for me, this sort of actor choice of like, yeah, I agree to the deal. Which just makes things so much worse. And it was funny. Right. So I think at that point, I, I thought we were in good, you know, we were, we were heading somewhere good that Jack Black's now, he's gotten what he wants, which is to get this guy to go to the reunion. But now he's worried because he's essentially blown up his life on both fronts, that his career is in trouble and his marriage is in trouble because he made these really like series of impulsive decisions in L.A. And I thought that was good. But then I think it really flounders after that, where they're not really sure what to do with Jack Black. And I wasn't even really clear with what they were trying to convey with him. It definitely seemed like he was jealous, maybe, but that wasn't clear. And how much he was jealous in a way that had everything in the movie happened exactly as it did. And they just didn't sleep together. Like the movie wouldn't have changed an iota. Right. And so, yeah, I think that was kind of the problem is that it made a really great choice, but then essentially kind of backs away from it for a while until the the end when they actually get to the reunion. Right. And like and then throughout the movie, uh, James Marsden's character, Oliver Lawless, is kind of a dick, but. Like, not to the degree that Jack Black is freaking out about. I don't even really think he's a dick. I just think he's he's just a very specific person. And I think he nails his own assessment of himself. He's a guy that peaked in 11th grade. I actually like his character. Like, I like I Oliver. Too. I don't think that he's a bad person, but I also just think that I'd say like that he's, he's a little selfish. He's a little self-centered. He's I wouldn't say he's a yeah. good person, but he's a very good character. Right. Yeah. But I think that's it. I don't think that he's a bad person as much as he's a selfish person who makes really impulsive decisions without thinking about their consequences. Well, right. And I think that, like, the thing that the one of the big missteps the movie makes is at some point, uh, James Marsden goes out on the town in Pittsburgh, uh, brings home uh, a paramour. Yes. And then Jack Black goes in to confront them and he seems genuinely just like, oh, are we being too loud? Like yeah. if you're going to make him the at even a little bit of the bad guy. Have him like just. 
be mad at Jack Black for cock blocking him. Well, that's the thing. I don't think he's the bad guy. I think the villain no, he's of not. The, the villain of this movie is Jack Black. Yeah, no, I, 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 and I think that the movie didn't know that. Right. And I, so I think that that's kind of where we're at is like, I think there was a good concept in this. And, and I, I think the, the beats were there. I like the idea of Jack Black trying to get this guy to go to the reunion and then blowing up his life and kind of figuring out that James Marsden isn't doing anything wrong. He just doesn't care if your life gets blown up because it's not his right. life. And I, I did appreciate all that, but I think, yeah, the movie, I think the movie is sympathetic towards Jack Black. And I never really felt that because I didn't, I don't feel like I ever really got his character or really cared if he succeeded or not. Right, because like Jack Black is playing a character that has just never peaked. He's been, you know, like, but he he was always doing like okay. Yeah. Um, I also think that the movie, I think in the beginning, it makes him too pathetic because I think that I never really understood who this guy was because he's doing the phone banking with everybody else, but they all lie to him about going out for drinks after, but we're never sure why, because he seems, he seems like he's a lot to deal with, but he doesn't seem like someone that you would avoid in a group setting. It seems like a bit of a sad sack, but also like in the real world, like I don't think grownups do that. That's what I'm saying is like, I didn't really buy the fact that the rest of the, the committee is just sort of exclude because the other thing is, it's a it's a committee for the reunion of your high school. If you wanted to exclude him, why is he on the committee? You could have excluded him from the committee. Right. And it was sort of hinted that he was the driving force of the committee and all that. But like, I don't know, as an adult who I don't like everyone that I associate with on a regular basis, but like I don't conspire to do things to exclude anybody either. Right. Yeah. I, I think that that was weird. And if anything, I'll just not go if there's someone that I don't feel like being there with. Oh, man, I love not going to stuff. Yeah, that's you're, oh, you're the that's your favorite. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But I think that that's a problem, too, because then if this guy is so unlikable that no one wants to be around him, then why is he immediately able to charm James Marsden, which seems right. sincere that they really do get along well? Right. They have a nice evening together. Yeah, like they have a lot of fun. They do some muscle relaxers and coke and then they have sex you know a typical la saturday night yeah i mean that's why i had to stop going out because it was every saturday and i was like yeah, uh, you that, know, that it, gets expensive it does and it like the housing costs is already so expensive and, and you don't have that banana boat money but if i did banana boat hit <laughs> Listen, us up holler at your boy because this is what we do with the money so clearly <laughs> you want to support that um but yeah like i, I think the movie just it didn't go far enough is what I think. I think it it um, it didn't know where it what direction it wanted to go in and decided just not go in any dire- like it almost went in like the sitcom direction of like, how are we going to rebuild like like that should have torn their marriage apart in a way that it didn't in the movie. Well, yeah. So I I think one. Yeah, I think the movie either needed to be a lot funnier and more ridiculous or a lot more grounded. And it's, it exists in this weird middle space where it's again, kind of a light comedy, but it's 
well dark comedy but like light on the comedy <laughs> like there's well, not a- and light on the dark too because yeah. like i figured it was pitched this black comedy i was sure that jack black was gonna murder james marston i mean why not right like, like go full bernie yeah which is a good jack black dark comedy yeah exactly but um yeah it, it so it sort of has that where it, yeah, it doesn't go far enough in either direction. It's either not funny enough or not dark enough. And then, yeah, also, he does kind of get this status quo at the end that I don't really understand because not only again, because maybe I could even believe that they have kids. Maybe there's a way that he and Catherine Hahn at least stay together in the short term or she's going to try to make it work. At the end of the movie, I can maybe believe that they've been together so long and she might try to give him a like, I don't know, it was one crazy weekend, something. But like you're clearly going through some things. Yeah, maybe she can get past it. You know, I think it resolves it too easily. But I uh, the sticking point for me is the fact that his boss essentially he has destroyed the company that he works for and his boss is way too chill about it. Well, yeah, and that's like. The other thing is, like, they didn't actually sign a fake deal either. So, like, that was something that was a confusing point for me. It's like, he didn't give his company to James Marsden. Like, that didn't happen. No, but I I guess the the thing is that because he was so sure that, which this is on Jeffrey Tambor to some extent, too. But, like, because he was so sure the deal was happening, he immediately spent a lot of the money that they didn't actually have, where he bought uh, new okay. computers. I think, I think that and, could have been made a little more clear then. Yeah, because it's like he, he bought computers and he upgraded all the equipment and they're doing all the, the classes where he's learning how to use computers. So it seems like he invested a lot of money in the company under the assumption that this deal was going to go through and they're going to get rich off of it. OK, yeah. that, that makes a little more sense, I think. Um, but I think the fact that Jeffrey Tambor was so cavalier about it. Yeah. Undercut that. True. But I also, I don't know why he, again, because nothing is, we don't know enough about their relationship as boss and employee to know why you wouldn't fire that guy. A guy essentially lied to you to get a free trip to LA and then fraud and then committed fraud by having a fake guy meet with you and agree to a deal and then continued that charade (laughs) for weeks. Like that, that is, yeah, it's a crime. Maybe you don't press charges because you have a relationship with him, but you don't let him keep working there. Right. Yeah. It it didn't make much sense. So the, yeah, there's all of that. And I mean, yeah, I think the biggest problem though, fundamentally besides the criminal misuse of Catherine Hahn is that I think this movie just is tonally a mess. And I think, it didn't know what kind of movie it wanted to be, and I think that's super clear in the fact that they named it D-Train. Uh, so I'm ready to pivot and talk about some of the silver linings. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, James Marsden is the best part of this movie. It is so clear that James Marsden is the best part of this movie, unequivocally. I- and you can't say that very. I like James Marsden, but you can very rarely say he's the best part of the movie. Well, it's the second time he's been the best part of a movie we've done on this podcast. So I don't know what you're talking ah, about. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm eating my words here. I'm Be- just like, I've just been watching the X-Men movies and he's not the best part of those. No, he's not. But it's also because he played the worst character in the X-Men. Yeah. Like, oh, by far. By far. Just an absolute garbage character. That's not on yeah. him. But no, yeah, that's, that's fair. 
I actually, because yeah, if people go back and listen, he was in the movie Sex Drive, and he was the best part of that movie too. Yeah, he was, he was a, a definite highlight of that. He was a very clear silver eye, and he is in this one. Like that, him giving the sex advice. No, th- did the kid ever have the threesome? Did they follow up on that? Oh, so the kid backs out of it's just like one line of dialogue where it's it's easy to miss because it's actually in the same scene where Jack Jack Black is driving his kid to school after he's blown up his life and marriage. And his kid knows that he had sex with James Marsden. And he goes like, did you have the threesome? And they, his kid's like, no, I couldn't do it. It's not me. And that's all we get on that. I will say that that was the plot point I was most invested in in the it, whole movie. It was really good. I also loved there wasn't enough room because the clip that we played was already long enough. But I, right before that, the the kid goes, you know, he's explaining that, uh, like, my girlfriend wants to have a threesome. And James Marsden's like, what's the problem? And he goes, I've never had sex before. And he goes, why not? And the kid goes, because I'm 14. <laughs> like, I... That really, I appreciated all of that. Like, yeah, no, that was that was some of the best and most real. Yeah, because well, because and I mean, I think clearly the truth of it was that his girlfriend was gay and didn't know how to deal with it. So she's like, let's have a threesome or she's just awesome or she's awesome. That's yeah. OK. That's the other possibility. <laughs> she's just making wild swings. She's just like at 14. Let's start our sex life with a threesome. Yeah, let's let's kick it off with a bang. You know what? Maybe she was nervous about having sex and she just wanted a friend there. Could be. You know, there's a lot of possibilities. <laughs> who, who? It's it's an underdeveloped. You could do a whole like that story could have been a whole movie unto itself. Yeah, I also just <laughs> Marston saying stack them up like chairs. Well, and that leads to one of my favorite jokes in the movie is that like in sort of the ending montage while. <laughs> Jack Black is reading his uh, missive to everybody as he closes the reunion Facebook page. (laughs) They literally stack two lawn chairs and then he hoses them off. Yep. Yeah, it's solid. I I laughed at that, too. Yeah, it was so that was some of the best writing in the whole movie. And it was I loved it. Yeah. But I also no, I I think Marston's character is so good that I I knew exactly who this guy was. I thought he was really fully realized. I thought Marston played him really well. I also there's some great moments throughout too. Like I, I thought the he when he when uh, Jack Black interrupts him trying to hook up with his as you said paramour. They do have a whole fight after that where he's Jack Black's kind of saying we got to talk about like what happened between us and he does kind of give that speech where he's like what what do you want to talk about like that. You know, you we had this night together and blah, 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 blah. And it was this to you and it was that. And then he kind of says, well, it was, you know, it wasn't that it was nothing to me. And he's kind of but the way that Marsden plays it, it's unclear which of those two ideas is true. And I loved that so much that he he played it with an ambiguity that I I was very intrigued by the idea of like, I can't tell if this guy if it was really meaningful to him or it wasn't. Right. And yeah, I never no, that was really good. I was never sure about that. Uh, and sort of the extension of that when um, he's saying goodbye to his two other friends and he's like, listen, I could have fucked either of you two last night. And you know that that's true. No, I loved that because that scene too. those guys were kind of laughing at Jack Black to be like, that was, which is an interesting mental disconnect that they're doing as well, because they're essentially 
you know, it doesn't bother them that James Marsden was involved in this, but it's like, oh, he was so dumb for like caring about you when you two had like that. It's somehow that they're laughing at him, but not James Marsden. But then Marsden gets them back by the, his parting words are like, you both would have fucked me. And it's like those guys are going to be haunted by that for years of like, yeah, that- <laughs> like I would I have I like <laughs> One of those guys definitely enrolled in therapy not long afterwards, and the other guy picked up axe throwing. Yeah. <laughs> but both of them started jerking off to that banana boat commercial. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> started. <laughs> which Went look, home and. Which, look, I know it's an off-label use, but banana boat, you know, we all know. <laughs> hey, listen, but the cream, not the spray. No, don't do the spray. Oh, my don't God. Spray. Yeah. Listen. Don't just it seems like it's obvious, but nothing's obvious. Yeah. Don't spray it on your banana boat. <laughs> they are definitely not sponsoring us now. Oh, so. no, we 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 sunk that boat, <laughs> that banana boat. <laughs> uh, choo choo. But no. There you go. Um, but yeah, I, I Marsden was great. I, and like, I the loved, kid was great, too. The kid was really that scene is like. That scene as a short film is perfect of just the advice. It really is. Also, Marsden, you couldn't hear it in the clip, but he's just eating cereal the whole time, sitting <laughs> on the kid's bed. They're in. It's actually the bed in his sister's pink room because they're sharing a, a bedroom because James Marsden has his. Right. All of it. Great. No, I've, like really good stuff. He he was definitely, I think, the the clear highlight of the movie. Yeah. And. And Jack Black, who I love, was underwhelming in this, which we're I know we pivoted, but um, yeah, I don't blame Jack Black. Uh, I, I do kind of think it's just the way his character was presented. And it's kind of strange because this movie, it wasn't written by, but it was produced by Mike White, which makes it another uh, black and white collab. Right, but, Mike White, who has a cameo in the movie, is one of the alums. Yeah, but Mike White, if people don't know, he he's now the guy who writes um, that. What is the the resort show that on HBO? White Lotus. He, he writes White Lotus, but he and Jack Black, he's he, they did School of Rock together. Yeah, like he he has a long history of collaborating with Jack Black in some of uh, Jack Black's best stuff. So it was, and again, he produced this but didn't write it. But I actually think. The writing of Jack Black's character did him dirty. That it, I don't think there was a clear way to play this character because the character was like this mess of contradictions. Well, and because just so much was left unresolved or unaddressed, or like at a minimum, if you've lived your whole life either believing yourself to be or convincing yourself that you're heterosexual, and then you have a same sex tryst. That's going to weigh on you. That's going to have some impact. Yeah. More than just, you know, how it was addressed in the movie. Yeah, for sure. But uh, um, Cat- I don't know. But James Marsden's great. Catherine Hahn is still uh, a silver lining because. Oh, yeah. I She's one of my favorite actresses. She's so funny. And so like she is the epitome of no small people or no small roles, just small actors and just like killed it in this yeah. very nothing of a role. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely shout out to her. And again, I mean, 
you got Catherine Hahn, you know, you got a race car when you didn't really need one to to drive around town to really straighten this metaphor. But um, th- when she does find out about the affair and she's just sitting there smoking a cigarette, being pissed off or like storming, out, like not even storming out of the room, just kind of walking out of the room to avoid well, him. And that's just like because a couple scenes earlier, she shows gen- like disgust at Jack Black for smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And then when she's there, just like just angrily smoking that cigarette in the next in the couple scenes later it's just so like such less is more like it's so well done yeah no she she is great she did clearly what was asked of her uh which was not enough but yeah Yeah. no she's always great yeah and i look i i enjoyed the the bold swing i do think it's a silver lining that marsden and jack black hooked up because i think it it did take what was a pretty standard formulaic movie and it made this really big swing that I, I liked and I, I wish the rest of the movie had lived up to that choice, but I do still appreciate the choice. Well, and kudos to the movie for not shying away from the sex scene either. Yeah. Cause like they, they, I mean, they didn't, it wasn't graphic, but like they showed them like making out, getting undressed. There's like a quick cut to of them actually engaging in, sexual congress well and, and if you watched it on tubi like i did it immediately went into a commercial break which i thought was yeah. funny. yeah yeah was, that that made me laugh same uh, the commercials were the exact same points for me yeah so i'm sure I, they're, i'm sure they're probably set but yeah, yeah. so it was, it, the commercials hit right then which was funny but no i liked it too because yeah it had the scene and then you saw the next morning with just a quick one more flash of jack black kind of remembering what happened and like a one quick flashback which i yeah all of that was good. I also, I mean, I know we already said Marsden just in general, but I, I really liked the last scene between the two of them when he showed up at the house and they talk on the lawn. I, I kind of think that's where the movie should have ended. I, I thought the last scene, which granted, it seems to only exist so that they could have called the movie D Train, but. Uh, I, I think to me, it felt like the right ending was just Marsden driving away. Yeah. Jack Black's, um, breakfast club letter at the end didn't need to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that it, all of it made a lot of sense. Also, if that group hated him that much, once they got the Facebook password, they were going to lock him out. Right. And no one read that. Well, no, we see people reading it. Yeah, but like no one read that. No, no. The only thing more believable, more unbelievable than people reading that is people phone banking for their class reunion. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. I do love that the whole town knows about the the big, like that the kids know the next day, like what happened. Because that would be big news. This guy that, again, is like a town celebrity. Like... Also, I mean, I do kind of love that Hollywood thinks Pittsburgh's a small town. Like, that's funny to me. I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> like, it's a very small town. There, like a lot of East Coast uh, cities, it is a small town city somehow. Yeah, but like, it's it's they also it's seem a like, city. They also seem like they were in a suburb. I mean, they were yeah. very like houses and which also. Look, you know what's not a silver lining is Promanti Brothers. 
Many Brothers is trash. With your lunch meat with fries on it sandwich. You know why they put the fries on it? Because the sandwich sucks and no one would eat it otherwise. You could just eat fries. It's a lunch meat sandwich. It's garbage. And it's soggy, wet, gross fries. No, it's the worst. It's yeah, it ruins the fries. Now you want to put, put fries in some shawarma in a wrap? Like, go oh, for it. Yeah, no, that that is very good. You know, they, they I think they stopped. I stopped eating meat, but I think they stopped making it too. But Del Taco, out here in LA, used to have this thing that was a burrito that had fries and like bacon in it and it like i'm here for that it was very good i'm sure it was terrible for you and they stopped doing oh, it oh of course when like everyone who ordered it died <laughs> like of, <laughs> of, like massive coronaries but man no that was a good no fries in a sandwich i'm here for i just need people to know that permanti brothers are trash I mean, I think that's the most important thing. That's the most important lesson of this week is that Permanti Brothers is trash. Yeah. Like, if we get one thing and one thing only across about this movie, it's that Permanti Brothers is trash. And if someone tries to give you one, you immediately get out of town on the D train. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.